Chris Wendelkin, and this is Online, my NBA podcast where I talk to friends of mine living around the country about all things hoops and do some NBA-related deep dives, some drafts, some news, and notes from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can uh, tweet at me at online underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Send me any NBA-related questions to onthelinepod at gmail.com. Check out previous episodes on our website. That's onthelinepodcast.com. You can hop into a deep dive, check out a draft. It's all up there. Last, if you could rate, review, subscribe to a show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts, I greatly appreciate it. All right, on the show today, we are talking with Chris Smith, my buddy uh, living out in Los Angeles. Chris is a native New Yorker, and uh, he is a big fantasy basketball player, fan of the league. We also are going to talk a little uh, New York Mets baseball in the last few minutes, so uh, enjoy it. Here is the conversation with the one, the only Chris Smith. All right, Chris Smith is on the line. Uh, Smitty, by the time this pod drops, uh, All-Star Weekend will have wrapped up. So we're, we're in the, the home stretch here. We're getting uh, ready for the playoff push. That begins Thursday mm-hmm. nights with the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and, and the Celtics and the, and the Houston Rockets are playing the Lakers. Uh, Smitty, how's right. it going? Hey, Chris. Good. Uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Of course. I'm happy to be here to talk about the National Basketball Association. Um, the NBA for sure. Uh, has it been a nice couple of days away from, uh, you know, staring at the phone and, and keeping up with all your fantasy basketball stats? I know you're, you're a big right. fantasy basketball player. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I do enjoy a break from that kind of stuff every mm-hmm. once in a while. Um, uh, although of course, once four o'clock rolls around and yeah. there aren't any games to be played, I'm sort of left wondering what the heck do I do with my time? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. So what, what exactly um, have you been doing with your time? Like, you know, once four o'clock does roll around, what, what, boy, I'll what tell have you, you been doing? <laughs> tell you, you know, every day I kind of got to look at myself and say, what do I, I, yeah. I should have planned, should have planned ahead. Now what? Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, but there's plenty of news, sure. uh, going around, you know, you can read, uh, the news or, uh, I have two dogs. I love to right. go for a walk with a- the dogs. Any new hobbies? Hike. Like, uh, do you guys have a yard? Do you ever maybe get into gardening or something like that? We, we um, oh, I would love to get into gardening. I think once spring rolls around and those, uh, baseball games start kicking into gear, I'll be, I'll be maybe a little bit more outdoors for now. It's, it's, it's a little chilly out here. I know yeah. you can't relate, uh, <laughs> because it's California chilly. So it's only about. 50 degrees so wow i'm not doing i'm not going outdoors any more than 10 minutes a day or so sure um but uh, it's mostly indoors and 50s 50s just as a frame of reference for me because it's been a little bit that means basically you're putting on a fleece or like uh like a hooded sweatshirt or something obviously it depends on what what i'm doing right so yeah. if i'm active and, and the blood's going to be flowing let's say i go for a run or a walk i, I can i can put on shorts and a light sweatshirt great. i think is fine great um but look if i'm waiting in line yeah or i'm uh i know i'm going to be standing still for whatever reason um no yeah, good i'm gonna be I'm gonna need long pants yeah and i'm gonna need a little bit a bit of a thicker top um but yeah 50 degrees very manageable but but look i mean i've been um doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of writing. You know, I've always, I always, you know, I keep myself busy. Fantastic. Well, uh, you know, ex- ex- excited to report that the NBA, like I mentioned, does uh, come back on Thursday nights. Um, we just wrapped up All-Star Weekend. We just, we had the trade deadline recently. Uh, so, Smitty, I'm curious to talk to you a little bit here 
about uh, these final, you know, 20, 25 games, whatever it is. Sure. We have teams in the East and West um, right. bas- basically making a playoff push here. So, right, um, right. I'm curious to talk to you uh, first about the East. Um, you know, it's interesting to me. It seems like we have a nice cluster of teams at the top of the Eastern Conference here, all kind of vying right. for uh, for the lead. Um, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Pacers, the Celtics, the 76ers, they're all they're all clustered at the top there. Right. I'm wondering, right. um, you know, I was wondering if we could talk maybe about each one of those teams for a second and if you see mm-hmm. any separation happening is there a clear-cut uh favorite to come out of the east here is there is there a team you like uh more than more than any of the others look i mean we saw some some big acquisitions yep. from a couple of those teams on the east we yep. saw the sixers get tobias harris sure and they have a very formidable starting five when you look at uh between simmons butler now harris reddick and the big boy indeed i think that that is a very top heavy team yeah um, what happens down when they send in their second rotation, maybe they fall off a little bit, yep. but in terms of starting five, very exciting, very formidable. So Smith, I've for, also, for the yep. year, the Sixers have been managing uh, 115 points per game. Um, that's behind only though the Warriors and the Bucks. However, since they've acquired Tobias, they're now averaging 124 points per game. Obviously right. they're not going to consider it that crazy of a clip. Um, you know, that's an incredible offensive rate. But, you know, frankly, they're, they're still working out the kinks. They're still figuring out how to play together, how, and they're doing this on the fly. Right. Do you right. like the Sixers' um, long-term prospects for that starting five and, and them complementing each other in the postseason? You, you know, Chris, it's a good question. I think, um, look, I think when it comes down to it, when it really, which, when it really, what it really comes down to for me is, is the, can this team gel? Mm-hmm. Do they work together well? Basketball is a game of continuous action, right? So you can't stop the action. The action needs to flow, which means what? These teammates, they need to know where each other are going to be on the court. They need to react in real time. So that means the more time they get to play together, the better they are. So I don't necessarily see... Although, like you pointed out, 124 is almost nine points more than 115 (laughs) points. So, yeah, it so it to me, that is a pretty good increase. But I I just I take it with a grain of salt, because what I what I value higher is how long has the team on the court been playing together? How well do they know each other? For me, I think that's in the East, at least. I think that's the Celtics. Mm. I think they have the most players that know each other the best, right? This team's sort of been together as its current formation, with the exception of maybe Gordon Hayward for a couple, two or three years. Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. And so I just think that the 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 Celtics, like the Celtics maybe have us. I I I just prefer them better. I think that I think that their experience together on the court is going to service them in the postseason. I would say that uh, I, I also really like the Toronto Raptors. you got to love mm. the way that they're playing. Mm. Um, the addition of Marcus Gasol, mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, is a big plus for them. But again, like I said, I tend to favor teams going into playoffs that have, have like had a more history. experience playing. Yeah, 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 exactly. I got a question for you. I don't know if you saw the 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 game the other night between Philly and Boston that was on TNT. Boston beat mm-hmm. Philly. It was, I think, probably the third game that um, uh, they had with Tobias Harris on the court for mm-hmm. the 76ers. Mm-hmm. Why is right. it? Why is it? Do we think that 
I mean, Boston, you know, famously beat the Sixers last year in the playoffs, the second round of the playoffs. Why right. is it? It does seem like Boston has Philly's mm. number, right? Like it seems yeah. kind of undeniable at this point. They're in their head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. if 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 you look at it almost like from a fantasy basketball perspective, if you just looked at mm-hmm. all the, the players on both teams, you'd mm-hmm. have to select a bunch of the players on the Sixers before, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, I, if we were doing a fantasy draft, Embiid and Simmons would probably go before Kyrie or, you know. Well, if, sure. I mean, there just seems to be a lot of talent on Philly, but Boston mm-hmm. undeniably seems to have their number. Do you kind of chalk it up to that thing you're talking about, just the experience of, of the team being together for so long? I got to say yes. Um, and, and I think depth also yeah. might be, I think Boston has a deeper bench. I might yeah. be. Not uh, because they got a couple scores that can come off that bench between Hayward and Jalen Brown. Yeah. he's a he's a he's a he's not a starter, correct? Am no, I, he am comes I right off the bench. That? Yeah, but he I mean, he's certainly talented enough to be starting. And he's just you know, the Celtics seem to just be a team of these like rangy wing players that are mm-hmm. all like six foot eight. You know, can shoot threes, dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, play defense, uh, and yep. it's just they, they just have one after another of these bodies they can just throw at you. And yep. to, to your point, the, the Sixers starting five is really loaded, and it's great, but beyond that... You know, it's you know now they're looking at Jonathan Simmons and uh, right. You know, it's just it's just not as deep as uh, as as the Celtics. Right, I think that could be a factor, and then I think just the nature and the fact that what you're talking about is it's such a mental game, right? I mean, these guys on the Sixers they have had trouble closing out against Boston. And yeah, look, a couple of years ago, Embiid was talking process, process, process. Okay, well now, what's the second part of the process? You got to get over this hump, yep. right? What does that mean? Significant and important playoff victories. It hasn't been done yet, right? They haven't really, they haven't really had any significant. No, I mean, last victories. year, Aaron Baines really took it to Embiid in the playoffs. I mean, Aaron, like Aaron Baines, got in Embiid's head. I don't, I don't think there's any way around that. Right. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting test for sure this year for the Sixers in the playoffs to see if they can get over the hump. You mentioned the yep. Raptors. Um, yes. You know, Toronto's right on the heels of Milwaukee right now. They're in second mm-hmm. place in the East. You know, with the Bucks, the Bucks nabbing Miritich and the Sixers go out and get Harris, the Raptors upgrade their center position with arguably the best passing big men in the game, not named, you know, Jokic, Mark mm-hmm. Gasol. So Gasol is, you know, he's a nice, he's a nice short-term addition mm-hmm. by the Raptors front office. You know, they're trying to obviously keep Kawhi Leonard in place to hopefully sign long-term uh, in free agency. Smith, do you think the Gasol addition helps push the Raptors ahead of the competition in the East, or are they just kind of keeping, you know, are they just neck and neck at this point? I got to tell you, I, I, I like Toronto. I, I, I like, uh, I, I've been to a Toronto Raptor game. Uh, I think it was games six or seven of the NBA playoffs back three or four years ago. It was against the Celtics um, and they lost. Wow. Um, in in a, Boston or in Toronto? In Toronto. Oh, I was that's in Toronto fun. working. Yep. And it was a great crowd, I'll tell you. It was just a very positive, excited crowd. So I, I have sort of an affinity for Toronto. I really like them. Yeah. Um, look, w- we'll see, right? I mean, I think the addition of Kawhi at the beginning of the year was so significant for them. Um, he, he, in the past, it was, it, you know, it's like they, they can play a great game. They can play defense, but at the end of the game, who's, who do you put the, who do you give the ball to in a, in a clutch situation that is just, 
going to get the job done, going to score the two points that you need at the end of the game. I think they have the air answer now, and they have uh, an experience of, you know, he's a, he was a champion MVP, right? So I think Ka- the addition of Kawhi, right? It's like, it's all about Kawhi. And I, I think that made them a much, much better team over uh, DeRozan. I think also it's just kind of like a culture change. You know what I mean? I, I, I think the uh, the Raptors, they had so many consecutive playoff disappointments. You know, it, it seemed like every year sure. they were going out to the yep. Cavs and LeBron. And I think if nothing else, I mean, Ka- uh, Kawhi is... I, I don't think it's arguable that Kawhi is an upgrade over DeRozan, but even if he wasn't, even if it was just, you know, a push, I just think psychologically they needed to see some new names on the roster just to say like, okay, we're taking a different approach this yep. year. You know what I mean? Yep. Just like yep. that's, that's, yep. that, that was in the past when, when we lost to the Cavs with DeRozan, now we're trying this new thing. And I think like if nothing else, Gasol replacing Valanchunas at the trade deadline, Kawhi swapped in for DeRozan. It's, it's a new, approach it's a fresh start for the for the raptors so we'll see if they can make a push here um in the last 20 games and then we have uh i want to talk to you about the bucks and the celtics let's start with the bucks so milwaukee has the best record in the nba they have the best record in the nba they have a plus 9.8 net rating which means that's the difference between the points they score per game and the opponent's points per game Plus nine point mm-hmm. eight, so they just go out and they acquire Nikola Mirotic. Now, M- Mirotic maybe isn't the the best player moved at the deadline in terms of um, mm-hmm. in terms of, but in terms of like his fit, he might be the mm-hmm. most valuable piece that was added. And he lands with the Bucks. So in Coach Budenholzer's five out offensive system, the idea is basically all these guys are spacing the floor, right? They're all spaced out, spaced out with these shooters, and Giannis is able to drive to the rim and kick it out, slash attack the rim. If it's a good shot, right. he takes it. If not, he kicks it out, and he has these four sharpshooters, whether it's Middleton or Brooke Lopez or Bledsoe or Brogdon or DiVincenzo or Ilyasova, and now they Ooh. add uh, Miritich. So, Smith, are you a believer that this team can emerge from the East and make the playoffs. I, I think they'll definitely and, uh, make the make, playoffs. Make the finals. I'm sorry. Excuse make me. the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. A, I think it's. A, there's a, let's put it this way. There's a very good chance of them making the playoffs. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, the in terms of making the finals, look, I I think that uh, you got to think they're the favorite, right? They've they've gotten the most wins. They've got arguably one of the top three NBA players playing today. And uh, maybe the best, maybe the best. I mean, James Harden, besides James Harden, um, Giannis is probably the best. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I look, I think the way you explained it was perfect. They've got the system that works for them. Um, I guess I guess the only the only thing you're curious to see is will their lack of experience yeah. come in uh, to play a factor here, right? I mean, will their la- – like, you know – Look, the Celtics. The Celtics have been to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Brad Stevens took the team to the. Yes. To the, yep. This was last year. The, I think they have the experience, and they got a guy like Kyrie who's been there. Um, so I, I really like the Celtics, and you know, just and their experience. But look, I mean, they're these guys on the Bucks. They're pros. They want it. They're hungry. Giannis is full stride. The guys, the guys, the real deal. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's possible they can make the the uh, the finals. I mean, we're I in I kind of uncharted territory here in the East. Frankly, you know what I mean. Like LeBron, LeBron has left left the conference. 
And for the yeah. first time, I think, what what is it, in eight years that someone is going to make the, the finals out of the East that's not LeBron James's team, right? Right. right. So well, we're, we're, yeah. we're trying to kind of wrap our heads around like, okay, well, then who is the next who's the next team to emerge? Who's the next big guy to emerge on this side of the conference that's going to, that we can believe in, you know, and is it, is it, is it Giannis? Is it Kyrie with the Celtics? Is it Kawhi with the Raptors? Um, is it, you know, uh, Embiid and Simmons and, and Harris and Butler with the Sixers? It's, uh, we, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to suss this out and put our faith in, in sort of an unknown quantity here. So, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, there's a there's, I a, there's I, a power there's a power vacuum at the mm-hmm, top. Mm-hmm. It's LeBron left. So who who take who fills in his shoes? That's right. Who steps who steps up in the East? I mean, really, because the East is where the most interesting basketball is going to be played this year, right? Because we all know what's going to happen in the West, mm-hmm. and it's it's and it's it's basically hey, who gets to lose to the Warriors in the finals? And that is the most interesting <laughs> question of the NBA. Um, let's talk about the Celtics quickly. I know this is a team that you mentioned liking. You know, the Celtics are a good team on paper. They have one of the best net ratings in the league. Uh, but something, I, I got to say, man, something is not right in Boston. There's there's mm. that old adage, you know, there of too many guys needing shots. There's not enough minutes to go around. Sprinkle in mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving's impending free agency. Gordon Hayward not looking for fully healthy or confident yet after his devastating leg injury last year. Smith, mm-hmm. you, or I, I, I know you've, um, you're a believer in Boston's yeah. experience, but is this team in a little bit of trouble? Or are you concerned at all about some of the chemistry issues? I mean, every time we count them out, every time we think, you know, they're, mm. they're out of it, we underestimate them and they, they put on a big performance case in point the other night on TNT when they beat the Sixers. Um, are you worried about Boston's prospects or are you a believer that they can figure it out? Look, I mean, look, I think that the argument can be made that the more trials you have throughout the season, the more opportunity for a team to come together. Right. I mean, how better to learn about uh, yourself and about your teammates than to go through some rocky terrain. So (laughs) um, I think that there's a, argument to be made that yeah look they don't have the best record in the east maybe they're they're experiencing a few troubles here and there but i'm sure brad stevens has a notebook full of ideas of hey these are the problems that could happen and here are some solutions that worked and here are some things we can do going forward so um i think the coach is really good i think that their experience together is really good. Dude, I honestly, I think that they're going to come out on top in the East. Like, I honestly, I honestly, I mean, you heard it here first. You you may have heard it somewhere else b- before first. <laughs> but on my, <laughs> but, my podcast, you heard it here first with you. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. that's certainly possible. And somebody might, it might be for anybody, you could have heard it. This could, you could have heard this third or fifth. Right. But look, I'm saying this now is what I'm saying. Okay. And uh, what I'm saying is I, I think Boston is going to come out of the East. I might be way, way off, but that's my gut. Great. I mean, if the playoffs started today, the Celtics mm. would be the fourth seed and they would mm. be playing the fifth seeded 76ers in the first round. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> That would be fun. Obviously, the playoffs don't start today. There's 20 games left, but, right. you know, it's going to be a dogfight in the East, especially for yep. those, you know, lower, you know, like those those middle seeds, 4-5. The, the, the 4-5 matchup will be nuts. The 3-6 matchup will be nuts. Um, yep. 
The other team I want to talk to you about is the, the team that no one ever talks about, which is the Indiana Pacers. Now, yeah. they, they are clinging to the third seed in the East, the third seed in the East, ahead of Boston, Incredible. ahead of Philly. Incredible. They got a five-point uh, five net rating, good for six in the NBA. The Pacers are maybe the most underestimated, forgotten team in basketball, right? I mean, everyone right. left these guys for dead after Oladipo went down, and they're still hanging uh-huh. in. Um, uh-huh. The Pacers beat both the LA teams last week by a combined 66 points. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know how they're Ouch. doing it. They, you know, they have they have a they have a rotation of Darren Collison, Bogdanovich, uh, Thaddeus <laughs> Young, Miles Turner, and then they swap in either Tyreek Evans or Corey Joseph. I mean, Smith, if, if the playoffs Yikes. started today, they're the third seed playing the sixth seed Nets. But like, let's say they regress some in the, in the next 20 games. But let's say even they wind up with the fourth or the fifth seed. Can you, envi- mm-hmm. can you envision a scenario wherein they pick off either the Celtics or the 76ers in the first round? I mean, wow. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess, I guess so. It's possible. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how they get it done. I don't know how they get it done. <laughs> I was with everybody else. I saw Oladipo yeah. go down and you're, you're bummed out. That guy is a, he, he was an emerging star, you know, star of the league. Um, they lost him and they're still hanging in there. I, I can't explain it. Tyreek um, Evans and Corey Joseph. Sabonis. Damontas Sabonis. That's right. I mean, that's right. I, I mean, come on, Bogdanovich. I don't know how you can put these guys together up against, you know, a Kyrie or a, uh, you know, a Joel Embiid and, right. and really give them a chance. I, I just don't see it happening. You know what? The um, Pacers are that team that no one wants to see in the first round of the playoffs because yeah. it's just going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a gutty defensive slugfest, and mm-hmm. it's just going to be it's just going to be a lot, a lot of work. So, and you're going to us- underestimate them. I do exactly. think you're going to underestimate. Oh, them. absolutely. They, they come in with this underdog mentality. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe it helps them play a little freer and a little, you know, uh, a little looser. All right. Let's switch over to the West. Um, as, as you okay. mentioned, you, you found, <laughs> you find this conference, uh, kind of uninteresting, you know, basically in, in the East they're they're playing for the right to play the Warriors in the finals. Um, mm-hmm. if the West started, if the Western conference playoffs started today, it would look as such, uh, the number one seed would be the Warriors. The two seed would be the Nuggets. The three would be the, the Thunder, then the Blazers, then the Rockets. And then, um, I want to talk to you about the lower rung playoff seeds, because this to me is, you know, where there's some interest who can make the sixth okay. seed, who can make the seventh seed, who can make the eighth mm-hmm. seed. So if the playoffs mm-hmm. started today, it would be the jazz Spurs and Clippers in the six, seven, and eight. Jazz, wow. Spurs, Clippers, and the Kings, Lakers, and T Wolves are kind of scrapping and clawing and, and trying to make a case for those last mm. three spots. Mm. Um, Smith, is there is there? Can we make a, a case for one of those teams nabbing one of the final three spots, the six, seven, and eight? Sure. I mean, I guess you can say that. Um, how far is Minnesota out of the race? So Minnesota is. Let's see. Minnesota is currently four games back of the eighth seed. I mean, I I I, I think that. Well, you got LeBron. Right. You got Minnesota. They're right. Right on the bubble. I mean, I think all of these guys, I mean, I think it's all up for grabs. I like yeah. the Jazz. The Jazz are 15 and 6 over their last 21 games. Their defense is sure. clicking. Gobert was snubbed of an all-star spot. So, you know, he's playing motivated and angry, and they just seem to be clicking on all cylinders and surging at yes. the right time. So I yes. like the Jazz. I think, you know, 
no one ever likes to count out the Spurs, right? Greg Popovich and the Spurs. Um, but yep. frankly, the Spurs have been miserable defensively right. when they're playing on the road. They are giving up mm-hmm. uh, 115 points per 100 possessions while on the road. To give you some context, the Cavs... That's- to give you Just some context, like yeah, 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 the Cavs have the worst defensive rating in NBA history, and they're giving uh-huh. up 116. So, Stop it. Yeah, yeah. So the Spurs are right there, right there. That's as bad as the Cavs, I guess, but they can score a few more. That's yeah. why their record's a little better. Yeah. But that's, wow, that's an incredible stat. And then, uh, and then we have the Clippers in the eighth seed. So, um, you know. Right. The Clippers, the Clippers are an interesting bunch, you know. Very interesting, very interesting, very underdog team too. I think that's Doc Rivers over yep. there coaching that yep. team. He's uh, he's got he's again just like Indy, not a lot of star power, right? Who are we talking? Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. Um, of course, they uh, traded off Tobias. They traded off Boban. Right. They traded right. off Avery Bradley. It looked like at the trade deadline, frankly, they were waving the white flag. But what do right. you know? It's you know Doc Rivers has done a great job coaching these guys up. They're quietly hanging around. They've added mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jamichael Green. They've added Wilson Chandler. They've added Garrett Temple and Zubach from the Lakers. They added Landry Shamet, who's a, a fun young prospect from the Sixers. Um, right. The Clips came back and they actually shocked the Celtics the other night. They erased a twenty-eight point <laughs> deficit. Um, Smith, can, can the can the Clips hang on to the eighth seed in the West? I mean, it's possible. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. I must say, I I think that between Minnesota and mm-hmm. between the Los Angeles Lakers, mm-hmm. um, I think there are teams that are going to be better situated and suited to make a push make a late push and put themselves in a position to at least get into the playoffs. All right. Let's talk about those three, the Kings, the Lakers and the T wolves kind of specifically. So the Kings boosted their odds, right? They added some scoring punch with Harrison Barnes playing along De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. Um, of course, with the Lakers, they had uh, they were in trade talks for Anthony Davis. Those, those spilled very publicly and it got all all messy. And um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's it's just become a dicey situation over there. Smith, do you think LeBron can maybe heal some of the uh, the fractures that exist within the Lakers locker room and, and get the squad rallied and in place for the eighth seed? Look, the guy's done it before. He knows how to win. I mean, what does an NBA playoffs look like without LeBron James? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't even know. I, I think quite simply, he's going to will it to happen. I'm not sure how, yep. when, or why, but I just see it happening. Yes, the guy is just a competitor. I mean, I, I got to believe that LeBron it can nab an eighth seed. I mean, it, we're talking about his competition is mm-hmm. the Clippers. You know, the Clippers with Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Sacramento Kings, and and the Minnesota T Wolves, who are a sub 500 sure. team. So yeah, look, Buddy Heald and the Kings. Yeah, um, Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley Stein, Darion Fox, and the Kings are such a fun, exciting team. One of the funner teams to yeah. watch, I would say. Yeah, I love, I love their chances. Um, but I, 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 I agree. I think between the Clips, the Spurs, like you said, being so terrible at defense. Yeah, and maybe even the Jazz. I think, I think one or two of those teams are going to have to is going to be vulnerable. Their, their seat at the table okay uh for mr king james let's talk quickly about any sort of dark horse playoff squads interesting teams that you're keeping an eye on now these are teams like 
Uh, you just mentioned LeBron or Sacramento. These are teams that mm. maybe we don't think are going to make the NBA Finals or even necessarily win a playoff round, but we're just interested mm-hmm. in like their potential, their ability to make some noise. Anyone, mm-hmm. uh, anyone you like that you're keeping an eye on? Well, I I spent some time in my life living in this um, city, although I guess you can call it a um, borough. Yeah, borough. And it's a it's a team that I've been watching all year. They're exciting. They're well coached. Yep. Um, they've got a young star and they've just got really, really great shooting outside shooting. Good defense is the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And, um, I know that they're in the sixth seed. They're in the, they're in the sixth seed, but I think they could do damage in the playoffs. I think that they, they're believers in what they're doing. They have a great story this year. Um, not much was expected of them. And, um, I think that Joe Harris, Rondé Hollis Jefferson and the gang can uh, put together uh, a very exciting playoff push in the East, which, like I said, is the more exciting division because, you know, we're excited to see who gets to lose to Golden State in the in the finals. I completely agree. So the Nets were the, se- the team that I circled as well. Oh, I, I, I just think they're an awesome story. Um, there's a great piece today in The Athletic by uh, Zach Harper, who wrote about D'Angelo Russell and the Nets head coach Kenny Atkinson kind of creating a clean slate, starting afresh uh, in, in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, B- Russell, like you mentioned, has really blossomed into an all-star mm-hmm. this year, you know, between yes. the addition now, they get Karis Levert back from injury. The guys like Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Alan Crabb is playing minutes again, Shabazz Napier, Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, yeah. Ed Davis. I mean, I think they can make some noise. Even if it's not winning a series, I think they can steal a couple victories in round one. Um, If the playoffs started today, they'd be the sixth seed. They'd be playing the Pacers. I think it's conceivable that they could beat the Pacers and make it to the second round. So we'll see. I mean, like I said, no one is excited about the prospects of playing the Nets in round one uh, because they're just going to be a hard out. No, I agree. And I also just, to your point, as you listed all those great players, good solid players i think the nets's floor is very high right so i think that they have a lot of very solid players so that they they can always sort of keep themselves in a game you know if one guy doesn't get it going i think another guy could get it going you know if damari carroll's not shooting tonight okay let's see what chris karis Lavert or whatever, his, <laughs> however you pronounce his name. Lavert, yeah, 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 exactly. Let's see so what Rondé Hollis Jefferson can do. Maybe Ed Davis will get do. ten boards. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Dinwiddie exactly. can put up twenty points tonight. Yep, that's right. We've seen Jared Allen have big nights. Of I course, mean, look a lot. Yeah, there's they're a lot deep. Of places you can go for points. They're deep. They're deep, and they're kind they're of deep. unheralded, right? And they're just kind mm-hmm. of they're they're like one of the stories that no one's really talking about. They were kind of the laughing mm-hmm. stock of the league for a little bit, and I think yep. that plays to their advantage. Because because they're kind of they're a bit under the radar, yep. um, so I'm excited. I'm curious to see if they can make some noise. Um, Smith, before I let you go, I want to ask you. Uh, we we've been playing uh, with a couple friends of ours in a FanDuel yeah. fantasy uh, daily fantasy league. Um, yeah. You are you are something of a FanDuel savant. Um, curious if you could oh. tell us a little bit about the experience playing FanDuel. Who are you? Who are some of your like? favorite sure. top shelf top tier guys sure. you love watching play in FanDuel 
Sure. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I had a stretch where I was in, in, where I was very, very good and competitive, yeah. but I will say it is humbling because I haven't been in the, it is, I haven't been in the winnings for Chris, it, it may be a week and a half. Now. It's been <laughs> and let me real tell you, dry, with, real with the, with me. the way we play, that can feel like forever, a week and a half. <laughs> it can feel like an eternity. It can yeah. feel like an eternity. Yeah. And our friend, our mutual friend, Billy Scafuri mm. is, a uh, he's is been on a hot streak for dominant. He's just been dominant. <laughs> it's been like, like two absolutely. weeks. Yeah. It's been a clinic. So yeah. I yeah. don't know. But, um, in terms of players, I really like, look, I is like there a guy to, who's like, if he's on the board that night, no matter what you're, you'll always just throw 10,000. Oh, been, you know, I've been all over uh, Jonathan Isaac. Oh yeah. Oh, for some reason, FanDuel will not respect and and give him a higher salary because that he's mm-hmm. been under six thousand dollars, and the guy just he's he's he, he's stealing, he's re, he's rebounding, he's blocking shots, he's all over the court, he's long, he's lean, he's a great player on the Orlando Magic. I love Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. Um and um. Is there Let's someone see. in that like ten thousand dollar weight class where you're like, oh, right, if he's playing, right. no, like a Harden or like Anthony Davis it's, or it, one of those guys? Really, it's really hard for me to that, not pick Carl um, Anthony Towns yeah. um, at the ten thousand, yep. eleven thousand dollar mark because he's. Um, I just like watching him play. Yeah, he's a he's a hustle guy. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a passionate guy. He's an energy guy, right? Screaming on the court. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that goes a long way. It goes a long way for me, apparently. So yeah, I like him at that price point. Um, You know, and who doesn't like to watch Steph Curry go off for 40 points, you know, hitting six, three pointers. I mean, like you gotta love Steph Curry's game and, and watching him play. So I'll also pick off Curry every once in a while. Smith, before I let you go, we are how many days away from Met Spring training? Well, we had pitchers and catchers, pitchers and catchers. a couple days ago. Okay, great. Um, so we're in full swing. There's some video on SNY's Twitter feed that I've been watching of, uh, you know, Edwin Diaz throwing pitcher pitches and yeah. talking to Mickey Calloway. And, um, you know, the, you know, DeGrom and the boys, DeGrom had a press conference, a very interesting press conference, you know, I don't know if we have time to get into that. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, we had DeGrom go ahead and say... Maybe out- outline the situation for anyone who uh, isn't totally familiar right. with uh, with the inner workings of the Mets pitching staff. Yeah, sure. So the situation is that uh, DeGrom is, a, um, is under team control for two more years, so he won't be a free agent until 2021. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Something like that. Won and the Cy already, Young last year, right? He won the Cy Young last year. He's already 30 years old, so he and the Mets are sort of – he kind of wants a contract. He wants to be paid yeah. market value he needs for to what he's worth. He maximize his value now ex- because exactly, he's, he's only getting older. Exactly. And through arbitration, he, they settled on $17 million, which is, is nothing to poo-poo. It's a yeah. lot of money, right? Yeah. But he's worth well more than that, well, right. much, much more than that, and he's worth a long-term contract. But the Mets, because they have control over him, aren't willing to come to the table yet on, with a contract. So it's a bit icky. And he actually said at a, at a press conference that he would have to talk to his agent it, about possibly limiting his innings yep. or holding back um, potentially. So – you don't love to hear that from your ace that he might be holding back what's or your not gut pitching to his full capability. What's your gut say? Do they figure out an extension before opening day? Jeez, I hope so, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I really, really hope that they do. I think 
Can Look, we get this guy he, five years, hundred and sixty million dollars? I mean, I think that's that's, that's 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 a respectable number. I think, right? I, I, I would I would agree. Um, but look, if you're the Mets, you're saying, well, why would I pay you now when you're at the height, probably coming off the best year of your possibly the best year of your career, unless he goes and does the same thing next year. Um, when you're worth the most amount of money, it's not a good bargaining position for the Mets, so they might be incentivized to wait. Yeah, it's a um, tough spot for really Degrom. Disappointing. It, yeah, it's, it's a, a really tough, tough spot for Degrom. I mean, he came. I think the issue there is that he came up. Um, he he was an older prospect, right? Didn't he like crack the yep. majors when he was like 26 or like 25? Right, exactly. And yep, he was a converted yep. shortstop, so exactly. he his whole arc and his whole trajectory is kind of a few years later than a traditional baseball prospect. So he, his whole, the whole pay scale thing with him, he, he's off by a few years. So Uh it's a tough spot, man. He's been, he's just been such a great player for us and has been like the consummate teammate and ball player. So the Mets, I would love for the Mets to do right by him, but obviously, like you said, it's not, doesn't seem necessarily advantageous for them, but it also doesn't seem advantageous to have a disgruntled star player, um, you know, on your team. True too. Absolutely true as well. Yep. How do you like the, uh, the projected lineup here? So we have, uh, Nimmo, Lowry, uh, Robinson Cano, Conforto, Todd Frazier might be getting some time at third. Wilson mm-hmm. Ramos, Ahmed Rosario, Juan Lagares coming off the mm-hmm. bench, and of course we're waiting on the uh, the slugger Peter Alonso, the 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 prospect um, right. to come up and hopefully play first base at some point. Uh, right. Any concerns about the lineup there? I don't think so. I mean, I think you're going to have a lot of pieces to play with if you're Mickey Callaway, right? So you 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 know, there's a there's there's spelling uh, Frazier and Cano. You got plenty of options there with Lowry and um, you know uh, McNeil. They're, they're we have McNeil at, coming they're off looking the bench. at McNeil um, in the outfield. So um, I think spring training will be really interesting to watch how Jeff McNeil plays in the outfield because um, if he's a serviceable, I guess they would put him in right field. Because you'd have Conforto in left, or is Con- yeah Conforto think, in left? Yeah, you stick Nimmo Conforto in, in left, Nimmo in center, and hopefully you can stick McNeil in right. Exactly, and that's against the right-handed pitchers. So that's their plan. Um, look, if he can play a serviceable outfield, and look, serviceable. I mean, we had Jay Bruce out there. He was an absolute disaster. So I, I hope if he's an upgrade to Bruce, um, I think the Mets have a very solid lineup. I hope we get a lot of hits, guys get, get in scoring position, and of course – um, RBIs, which are when, it's certainly uh, a long lineup. You know, it's 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 deep. Yep. Yep. And deep. Uh, of course, we have Wilson Ramos behind the plate. That that I think is a major upgrade this year. Yep. Um, yep. So I'm 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 hopeful this is a guy that can hit. I don't know upwards of two seventy two eighty with a little pop. Yep. So yep. you know, and and of course, just be a solid glove behind the plate. Um, yep. But what about the staff? We have Degrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats, and I am not excited about Jason Vargas in the five hole. But uh, that's where we're at. Yeah. Well, you got to like your first three guys. Yep. I'm very excited. My my all eyes will be for me at least on uh, Zach Wheeler, Wheeler, right? Because yep. he had an absolutely dominant finish to the season in 2018. And so, who is Zach Wheeler, right? Is he your 450 guy, or is he the real deal, or is on somewhere right around three ERA, striking guys out, you yep. know, at a clip of 10 per, 10 Ks per nine, and yep. 
you know, is that is that who we're going to get? So I'm I'm excited to see how that plays yeah. out. I think Matt Matt's is going to have a chip on his shoulder, so he's going to he's going to be good. But I agree with you. I think Vargas can is going to be. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've no, I have zero faith in. Jesus is is Vargas. the plan for Lugo to come out of the the pen and and just be like a flex kind of guy? They love that, him there. Yeah, okay. uh, they they love him there because, and, and I, I I love the bullpen with Lugo in the pen, um, possibly for long relief and then maybe for the occasional start if um, should knock on wood anything happen to one of these starters. But um, yeah, he's at the ready right where he can join the rotation, but. I think the Mets, the plan is if they're clicking on all cylinders and everyone's healthy, we bring in Seth Lugo in these sort of high leverage relief situations where he can get you out of a jam because he's got just a devastating uh, hook and a good changeup, um, and uh, you know he's 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 super solid and, he, and he's got the experience against in high leverage high leverage situations. So I prefer him in the pen. I think you're right about Wheeler too. I mean, he feels just like the bellwether for the team. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. if if our guy, if our third starter can perform like uh you know like a like a one A or a one B, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's just going to make all the difference in the world because I feel like Degrom and Syndergaard are kind of known quantities, and with with Wheeler, it's it's like you said, it's it's uh, or is he is he the guy with the three ERA striking out ten guys a game per nine, or is mm-hmm. he? Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. is it more of the same with him? And real quick, what what do you like in the bullpen? Tell me something about Edwin Diaz that you saw that you liked uh, from the oh, tape on SNY. The Edwin Diaz the, to watch was, um, if you remember, the World Baseball – was it the World – Baseball um, Classic? Is that what World it's called? World Baseball Classic. He played for Puerto Rico, I believe, correct? Boy, the guy is he's, – he's passionate, and the guy can throw that high, stinky cheese. Really? And, uh, oh, he whips it in there. And uh, he is an exciting guy to have um, in the ninth inning. I think he is going to be lights out. Um, I mean, it's really it's it's him, Jensen, and uh, and Chapman uh, to me are the three best. Wow. Uh, and Kimbrel, I guess you can throw. He's in on there that level too, with those guys. He is up there, dude. He can. Great. He, he had fifty some odd saves last year for the Mariners. The guy is going to be lights out. I'm I'm thrilled about. Oh, it. that's exciting. And and we're happy to have Familia back in a setup role, a little less pressure less uh you know less intensive a situation right i agree i totally agree i think the guy's solid um that splitter is just devastating and uh excited to see him i'm excited to see him with a little less pressure and still going to be that passionate familia that we know so um look i think it's i think it's it's looking good but you know i think the the just to circle back a little bit to the lineup, what I think Brody did, Brody Van Wagen and the general manager did that was smart was he said, I don't want to be the same old Mets, right? Because what happens to the Mets is one or two guys get injured, another guy gets injured, all of a sudden everything falls apart. What he did was he added depth, right? So that if you do suffer one or even two or even three injuries, you still have a very formidable squad, right? Because you got guys on the bench who could be everyday players. I mean, yeah, sure, Juan Lagares in center field isn't the ideal uh, hitter, but uh, he is a very serviceable outfielder. Won a gold glove, yeah. I mean, he, he won a and he won a gold glove. And should one of your outfielders go down, I mean, he can easily slide in there. And um, you know, same holds true for um, 
you know, Lowry mm-hmm. if, or, or Cano, if one of these guys goes down, there's a guys that can play those positions that can fill in. So yeah. I think depth for me was the key to bring it back um, actually to basketball. You know, I think in basketball, we're seeing the model of like positionless basketball, right? That's like a concept people love to toss around like, Hey, there's, right. there's front court guys and there's back court guys. And we just need ball handlers and spacers and guys that can hit threes. And we, we aren't going to worry about these old notions of like, Oh, you're a center or you're a small forward or you're a shooting guard or point guard. I think similarly in baseball, you know, it's becoming more of a positionless game in that like you actually need these guys like Jed Lowry or um, right. Jeff McNeil who can play multiple positions. And that's how the, these guys are going to earn 400 bats a year is by being able to have multiple gloves in their, in their locker, you know, someone that can play first that's- base, right field, shortstop, second base. And, uh, you know, it's like the, the Ben Zobristization of, of baseball right. is, is, is happening right. before our eyes. No, exactly. I mean, look at Joe Madden. What goes on at uh, the yep. Cubs is exactly where I was going to go. Look at us. We really, we really, we really had a chat. <laughs> we had a minutes. chat. He said it was a half hour, but look, I mean, look at we us. really caught caught a stride. Yeah. And uh, and thanks so much for having me. Thanks for hopping on the pod. This has been a lot of fun. We'll touch base with you, you know, throughout the uh, the NBA season as the playoffs get near, and of course, we'll touch base hopefully maybe a little bit over the summer about some uh, New York Mets baseball. And uh, thanks very much. I'll talk to you soon, Smith. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. All right, cheers. Bye. All right, that was the conversation with Chris Smith. Smitty, thank you very much. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Check out previous episodes at OnTheLinePodcast.com. Rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Enjoy the rest of the All-Star break. Enjoy life uh, post-All-Star break. And I will talk to you guys next week.